Well, if you weren't here with us last week, I think you missed a lot of fun. It was heavy. I think it was heavy to be up here lifting it and maybe heavy to catch it, but it was good. We're working through and we continued on a little series about good works last week. Um, you remember from Ephesians 2, uh, verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we would walk in. So we've been looking at that over some time now, um, as I've had opportunity, and uh, we've, we've looked primarily at four parts. I think we may have a slide for this, but uh, good works. We've seen first was the, the internal works, what it is to uh, walk by the Spirit, or uh, to be filled with the Spirit, that this is the most important work that we can do in the body of Christ. Uh, anything we try to do outside of the Spirit will be in the flesh, has no value. Um, secondly, we had worked at the external works. Once we're walking by the Spirit and moved by the Spirit, then He's going to uh, move us along in our ministry that He's given us of reconciliation to the lost and dying world around us. People in our mission field, as we've said, that don't know Christ and of course, as we carry the gospel to others, we'll, we should and we, we will uh, see, we should expect and we, should, we will see suffering. We've talked about that. And then last week we came to the part that we're kind of still on today, which is uh, the good works of loving one another. We're kind of working through the passage in 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, and we made it uh, all the way from verse 1 to verse 8 last week. And so we're kind of there. And I'd like to just get a running start in verse 7 and, uh, and kind of work our way through the end of this section today. So if you'll read along with me starting in verse 7, we're going to go right there. The end of all things is near. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. Now, we, we looked at love last week. We kind of asked the question, what is it? We remember it, we said it's a fruit, right? Fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we can't manufacture that on our own. Uh, that's frustrating because a lot of the things that we're called to do that are loving, uh, if we do them in our own strength, they have zero value. We said that walking by the Spirit again is to have the Word richly dwelling in us, to have the, the mind of Christ so that we'll be walking, that it'll be, like Galatians 2.20 says, Christ living through us, right? The problem is, as I said, if we're not moved by love, motivated by love, then the works that we do, even the best of things, will have no eternal value. So we looked at that. It's heavy. But we left off in John 15 last week, and I thought that was a great place to leave off because it leaves us thinking about abiding in Him and the joy that comes along with that. So if you want, we're going to read just catching up, jumping off where we left off. In John 15, we'll just read a little bit of that together too. Starting in verse 1. 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be made full. So as we jump back into 1 Peter 4, and we're looking right away at verse 8, we remember that he says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. And we went all over the scripture looking at so many places that the Lord has told us to love one another. There's a lot there. And it, it's, like I said, it's a little heavy. Um, it's it's sweet and wonderful, the provision that he's made, but sometimes it can feel a little heavy. But we know that God's serious about it, and we have a great responsibility to it, and we should prioritize this well. But as we've just read in first, or in John 15, it, it's, it's an amazing thought to think what he's saying there shouldn't be lost on us. Right before and right after that same passage, he talks about sending the helper that he's given us the Holy Spirit and that he dwells within us. And even there, what he's saying, abide in me. He's saying that we're united to him. And as we, as we think on this, we just marvel. It's so beautiful. The best part of eternal life, it's not length of days. It's the quality because we'll be in his presence, blameless with great joy, right? The best part of eternal life we have right now, right here, he's with us. And of course, as we abide in Him, as we love Him, as we're most satisfied in Him, then He'll be most glorified in us. He'll empower us to easily love one another. That's nothing. And it'll be fun. So today I want to look at some very practical ways that we should and can uh, love one another. And, and quite frankly, last week was kind of, if you can imagine, the sermon, and, and this week was the, all the practical things that I wanted to say then and we didn't get to. So this would be a little different than normal. But bear with me here. Verse 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, we understand this. Love covers a multitude of sins. We've, we've all experienced this. Um, we love this. But think about this. First John 4.19 says, we love. Why? Because he first loved us. And John 3.16 says, for God loved so loved the world, for God so loved the world, that he what? 
He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He did that. In 1 John 2, 1 through 2, it says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Think of this. Love covers a multitude of sins. We first, we've experienced that. It's not just randomly, we know this. And I love this passage, Romans 5, for so many reasons. But read with me just a few lines here. Romans 5 speaks to this so perfectly. And it's setting the tone for us as we think about how we should love others. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have a peace with God through our God, or through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Think about this. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Don't you love the word reconciliation? I sure do. We were reconciled. Think of this. Our debt was completely canceled. And when did it happen? Well, we know it was before we even committed the first sin. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ's love covered a multitude of your sin, of my sin. So it begs the question, how do we do here? Do we, do we love like this? If we're honest, we know we're, we're broken. We're, we live in a sin-cursed world. We're, we're a bunch of people who are hurting, right? There's so many places, so many reasons. And you know what they say, hurting people what? Hurt people, right? People even in this wonderful church, we get in the flesh. And when we do, we hurt each other. When we're hurt, do we love Are we walking by the Spirit and thus have a desire to cover over sin? Do we run to that? We need to think about this. Are we, on the account of Christ, are we pursuing unity in every way for His glory so that the, the world, the watching world, would know us by our love for one another? Let's look. Last week we talked about a little analogy on... Uh, seismographs and, 
and um, the, the idea that they, they need to be calibrated. And w- we said, we want to plug our hearts into the word and we want to calibrate and just see if everything's right here. So as we look at even uh, forgiveness this morning, covering over a multitude of sins, um, we, we want to ask ourselves, is this where I'm at with this? Is this how I respond? I hope so, and I think so. I think for a, a large majority of this church, we're, we're, we're growing, we're walking in love. I hope we can grow here, but, but let's just take a hard look at our heart towards forgiveness in the way that Christ has loved us. Uh, look with me at Matthew 18. You know this parable. We're going to start in verse 21. It says, Then Peter said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and he began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slaves... His fellow slaves, uh, or his fellow slave, fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, I'll repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then, summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved to anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each one of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Again, last week we said that God judges our motives. He looks at the heart. He knows. So we can kind of play to the crowd, but God knows. So are we this way? Do do we take this great forgiveness, but then hold much smaller debts against each other? Is there any chance that that's happening here? Well, I want to quickly, I want to point out the king's response. It's just so beautiful. Verse 33, he says, Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And we see that pictured perfectly in 26 and 27. He says, So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him. He said, Have patience with me, and I'll repay you everything. And I love what it says here. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Doesn't that remind us of our own state? While we were yet sinners, that's how God demonstrated his love. Not when we fell 
not when we came running, even before. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't it right? Uh, Romans 2.4. Think of it. I think of it so much. Um, or do you think lightly of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? He, it's his love, his kindness that even led us to repent in the first place and continually does that. So we're looking at this idea, the question, 70 times 7. What is that? Well, it really speaks to an attitude. Really, it's our attitude. As we looked at last week, love is about the motives. It's an attitude of gratitude, really, that says, I've been forgiven so much. How could I not forgive you this? It's not even a thing. It's so small. You know, we think about it. It's not just our sin that we were forgiven one time. I mean, any one of us, it's not, if I thought of this, it's funny. I always say, like, raise your hand if, and this is one of those, don't raise your hand, but in the, if you have a hand of your heart, raise it, if you struggle with sin. Everyone's heart's raising, right? So uh, we, we struggle with sin. And we can have compassion because of that. We can have compassion on other people who are struggling with sin, even if that sin is hurting us in the moment. Ultimately, this is the point. We see this really summed up well in Ephesians 4.32. I think it says, uh, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. I'll leave that for now. So it's obviously right for us to forgive one another. It's very clear. It's very straightforward. So the idea of a heart of wanting to pass over sin, just like we've had experience with us. There's a danger there, though, and I think we should watch out for it. In a church, even at this size, there are people who are walking in sin. Maybe they've lost their way. And so we wouldn't want to just pass over sin. We would want to love each other enough to confront sin as well. So um, let's look at Matthew 18 and another of these preceding verses, verses 18 through 20. Let's just read that really quickly as well. Uh, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every fact may be confirmed if he refuses to listen to them tell it to the church and if he refuses to listen even to the church let him to let him be to you as a gentile and a tax collector okay th this is also love a good work of love is to go to your brother if he's in sin but how we go about this and why are super critical pieces? Uh, there's a danger here. Clearly it says we see that they're in sin. Well, we need to go to them in private. It says right out of the gate. Go to them in private. If we're walking by the Spirit, then our motivation is going to be for their good, not our irritation or our preference. We need to be careful about that. It's another good work. Definitely to help somebody see their sin is a good work. But if we're not doing that in love, if it's not motivated by love, like we looked at last week, then it has no value. And quite frankly, it can be very hurtful. If we're believers, then we're united by this glorious truth. Think of this. By God's grace, each of us who are here, who know and love Christ, 
we have been born again. We were dead, if you think of it. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. He's made us alive together with Christ. We went from being completely enslaved to sin, and now we're free to obey. This is wonderful. We're united in faith in Christ in this one thing. Each of us come here. We're sitting in this room. We're reunited by this one thing, that I was a sinner, and I deserve the full weight of God's wrath, and he has freed me from that, and he's paid for my debt. He is the propitiation. So it's presumed that when we all come here together, this is basic. This should be like, yeah, duh, why do you keep saying this? It's presumed that any real Christian wants to not sin, right? Yeah, straightforward. Everyone's nodding like, move along. But that's right. So if we see someone who says they're a Christian and they're living in sin, then we should assume the best of them that something's gone wrong, right? And we should want to help them. Remember, we are at war not against flesh and blood, but against power and principality and evil dark forces. We're at war. The enemy of our soul, the world and the flesh and the devil, they're out to get us and our family and this church family. We need to watch out. We need to watch each other's back for these kind of things. And we need to watch out for the oldest play in the book, divide and conquer. You see my sin and you think, man, I don't like that guy. It happens. And I don't blame you. There's a lot to not like. But I see your sin and I think, man, somebody needs to, he needs to get his act together. But the, but the reality is we're for each other. We're one body. If my knee is busted and my feet are like, you shouldn't have done that. You're stupid. You're on your own now. That doesn't make any sense. No, the feet got to get us to the hospital quick, right? We need to go get a brace at the store or something. We got to do something fast. You get it. We need to watch out for divide and conquer. Uh, so this is love. We go to them in private. I, I just I feel like at some level, I want to say this kindly, but I don't know if this is happening a lot. I don't think it's ever happened to me here. Somebody comes. Now, I'd love to tell you that's because there's no, there's no sin. Uh, my wife would be the exception to be sure. <laughs> she loves me, and she will help me see my sin. And I mean that with, uh, with all sincerity and kindness and gratitude. I'm thankful for her to do that. Uh, I hope this is going on here amongst the body. But what I fear is that we live separate lives. We kind of say, well, our church is a commuter church. And we don't really know each other. We don't have the, we don't have the position in each other's life to be able to speak to these things. Or we say, well, somebody else will talk to them about that. This is love. We go to them in private. This is not easy, by the way. Um, but it's good. It really is. And it's so good. We, we, we need to go to them, not to others first, and maybe not to others at all. Hopefully, as we've seen, we can win our brother. But we need to go to them, and we need to be careful. You know, we have pretty good, strong admonition in Matthew 7. Ultimately, uh, I have it here, but I'm just going to skip down to say, why do you look at the speck in, uh, that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to clearly see the speck in your brother's eye. So we need to be careful to be sure when we do this. Uh, We need to be careful. Uh, We should be 
Walking by the Spirit, of course, and that's going to dictate that. We, we can't be walking by the Spirit and have a big log in our own eye in that same way. Uh, but Galatians 6.1 is another great passage that helps us really temper what we're doing here as we go to love each other in this way. It says, brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. You who are spiritual. Think about this. So Galatians 6 comes right after Galatians 5. And right at the end of Galatians 5, we're seeing this uh, battle within. We have, the, we have the flesh and we have the spirit. They're opposed to each other. And it's saying, walk by the spirit and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. And the fruit of the spirit is this wonderful, beautiful thing. And then it goes right into chapter 6. And think about what it's saying. So you who are spiritual... Well, that just means you who are then doing what we just talked about, walking by the Spirit. If you see your brother caught in a trespass, maybe he fell into temptation, maybe it's just blatant sin, but you, he's your brother. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Go to him. Help him up out of whatever he's in. Walk with him. Help him build back strength, Right? Has anyone ever been, again, in, the, in your hand, in your heart, raise your hand in your heart, if you've ever been caught in a trespass, you've ever sinned and you're exposed and you knew it, and maybe others knew it too, maybe they didn't, do you really want someone to come by and browbeat you over that or to judge you and make you feel worse? I mean, you already feel bad probably. If you belong to Christ, you feel bad. No, we want... We want people to be in a spirit of gentleness to come alongside and love us. But what a gift, right? When we're going through hard things to have people in a spirit of gentleness come alongside us, what a gift. This is love. I, I, I like analogies so much. I, I think of this one quite a bit, and I hope it helps. Um, but this, this idea of um, caring for one another comes out in my mind this way. Let's say that I, I know your house. I've been to it. And let's say uh, you... Uh, I know your car. I've ridden in it. I know what it looks like. I know all the cars in your family. So I come by your house and I see uh, smoke bellowing out the back of your building. And it looks like all your cars are there. And so should I just drive by? I hope, you hope not, right? No, I, I want to look in. I might call you. Hey, does everything go? You don't answer. So I go, I knock on the door. You don't answer. Ring the doorbell. It just looks like a lot of smoke coming out. So maybe I dial 911. But I'm thinking that's going to take a long time. And I see what maybe looks like a hand down on the floor. I don't know what it is. And so, man, I get charged up and I kick the door in. And I come running in there yelling, fire, fire. And I find you in there burning a steak way blacker than I think you should. Okay? That's really sad. We can argue about the steak another time. But you, you, you get the idea. When I find you in that way... You're not going to be mad at me for kicking your door in, right? Because you're going to know that in that moment, oh, the reason I did it is because I love you and I'm worried and I wanted, your, I wanted to help you. And we might argue more about that steak, but then we'll go and fix the door and, and you understand, well, if, if that's true over a burnt steak, then that's really true over sin in our life, right? We, we need to care about each other. If, if there's smoke, there's usually fire. And if there's fire, it's usually not good. Sometimes it's not. And, and that, that makes another point. Um, sometimes we see smoke, 
and we're sure there's fire. But we could be wrong. And so we need to be careful with one another. The way that we approach this, we need to be careful. Don't assume the worst. We need to assume the best. But if our motivation is love, then we're only going to be happy to find them burning a stake. Even if we disagree, just don't burn that stake. We're going to be happy to find that it's not fire of their heart that they're burning up in sin. That would be the best news all day if our motivation is right, right? Look at this. I think this is the same thing I've said before, but I'm going to say it again. 1 John 1, 5 through 10 says, This is the message we've heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So we've, we've all come this way. We've all come to the end of ourselves. We've seen that we are full of sin. If we love Christ, if we belong to him, it's only because of one thing. He, he caused us to be born again. He opened our eyes to see sin. And that was our greatest, our greatest need was to somehow find favor with him. And we had to confess. This word, pastors stood here hundreds of times, it seems like, and said confess. I bet a lot of people could finish the sentence. It's a compound word in the Greek, homo legeo. It means to say the same thing to say the same thing about our sin as God. So we must come and say the same thing about it. Like, we're, we're full of sin. We're broken. We deserve the full weight of your wrath. And even though we've been freed, again, Romans 7, like Paul, we say, I, I don't do the things I want to do. I do the things I don't want to do. Oh, wretched man that I am. I'm running from the very clothes that I'm wearing. So because we know that, because we've walked all that and we're in that now, we should be able to have great compassion for each other, if we're, for those, the rest of us, all of us, when we see our brother entangled in various sins. We should be moved by compassion to help. Each of us here should be, as members of the body of Christ, desiring to be like him, right? Perfect, complete, lacking in nothing, holy, right? That's our pursuit. We want to be holy, separate from sin. So we should want to deal with sin in our lives. And this is important. One, we want to be transparent. That's hard to do. In our society, we are separatists. We don't want, we want our space. People even like to wear the mask in their car by themselves. I don't understand that. That's weird. I don't, I don't get it at all. Uh, but we need to be transparent. We need to be real with each other. We need to understand that we're all in the same boat. And, and so, um, boy, one thing I want to share today is this little piece from the Gospel Primer Primer. I don't know how to say it. I've been saying primer for so long. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, doesn't matter. 
you maybe you've heard this before, maybe you've read it. If you don't have this book, it's so sweet. But look at this with me. Uh, the Gospel Primer, Exposed by the Cross, Part 2. And it says, I think we have it. I sure hope so. It says, the cross also exposes me before the eyes of other people, informing them of the depth of my depravity. If I wanted others to think highly of me, I would conceal the fact that a shameless slaughter of the perfect Son of God was required that I might be saved. But when I stand at the foot of the cross, I'm seen by others under the light of that cross. I'm left uncomfortably exposed before their eyes. Indeed, the most humiliating gossip that could ever be whispered about me is blared from Golgotha's hill. And my self-righteous reputation is left in ruins in the wake of its revelations. With the worst facts about me thus exposed to the view of others, I find myself feeling that I truly have nothing left to hide. Thankfully, the more exposed that I see I am by the cross, the more I find myself opening up to others about ongoing sin or issues of sin in my life. Why would anyone be shocked to hear of my struggles with past and present sin when the cross already told them that I am a desperately sinful person? And the more open I am in confessing my sins to fellow Christians, the more I enjoy healing, the healing of the Lord in response to their grace-filled counsel and prayers. Experiencing richer levels of Christ's love in companionship with such saints, I give thanks for the gospel's role in forcing my hand towards self-disclosure and the freedom that follows. It's beautiful. It's beautiful only in the wisdom of God. The world, our flesh says, you hide everything. You stay away from people. Don't let them too close. If they knew you, they won't love you. What a lie. That's so stupid. But we're united by this truth. We were sinners, and like Paul, we still are. We're plagued with pride and the remaining flesh. And we might hide our sin from each other. We can try. We might. But look at Psalms 139. You, you know this passage. In verse 2 through 4, it says, You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. However, it's fair. Sometimes we sin and we're unaware, right? Think of the kindness that this is for the Lord to give people in our life to see that sin and to help us see it. What a kindness. Have you ever prayed Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24? I bet you have. Look at this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. It's a good prayer. And you know what? Sometimes the Lord will answer this prayer in this exact way. To, to have somebody come alongside us and to point out something. Maybe in their ability and willingness to obey the Lord and care for us, maybe we'll grow, which is good. But 
we need to do this. We need to pursue others. That's important. But also, sometimes this, this should be happening to us. And I guess we should just think through quickly a loving response to that, right? So uh, think about this. If someone comes to you later this afternoon, boy, I need to prepare, I need to prepare my heart for this. I'm just make sure I want to say all this, right? In case you want to come to me. Okay. Uh, if someone comes to you this afternoon, understand first, God's told us to do this. This is, this is something that we're obeying. And so because he's ordained it, if it's happening, God is sovereign. He's ordained it. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. It's hard. Because what happens? Our, our internal lawyer puts on a suit real fast. He's ready to go to court. Quick. Man, that guy's fast. You know what I'm talking about. Your spouse says something to you like, hey, man. Hey, man. How he starts like, hey, man. Um, the, the, the lawyer's out and ready to go. Um, silence that inner lawyer. Put the defenses down. Listen. Consider what they're saying and realize that love motivates this. Pray for clarity to see. Confess sin and consider that the Father disciplines those who he loves. Our desire, our goal is what? We want to be what? Like Christ. The prize is one day we will. He who began the good work in us will what? Perfect it until the day of Christ. He's at work in us. This is part of the way. Um, just occurred to me, I remember my honeymoon almost 20 years ago, so fun, and we went to this place that had uh, pottery being made uh, right there. They, they sold it, but it was also being made right there. And one of the things that you may maybe know if you've been around pottery, it's just an awful noise that's made when they're, when they're finishing that stuff. They're just taking and they're rubbing off the rough edges, and it's just almost unbearable to listen to. And I, we got home back here in this room one week later, and we're singing, I, you know, you are the potter, I am the clay, mold me and make me, this is what I pray. And somehow, and by the wisdom of God, I realized I'm in this phase of life, this part, where God's rubbing off the rough edges, and I just realized that I just married this most wonderful instrument that he's using to take in such a nice way to rub off these rough edges where I'm not like Christ. But that's what I want. And so it's so effective when we're building relational roads with one another and we see that our sin's hurting one another. Man, that's effective. God gives us that gift to help us become more like Christ. So silence that inner lawyer. Listen, pray for clarity. Confess the sin, whatever it is. Just call it what it is. And, and then run towards obedience. Put off the sin. Put on righteousness. Oh, Think of it, Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Oh, this is good. And then Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, think of this. This is what's going on. And this is why this is such good work. In 15 it says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. This causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Well, 
Love covers a multitude of sins, and it confronts sin. Now we continue on in verse 9 with a little bit more uh, practical service to one another. And uh, we see verse 9, it says, Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Uh, this is where service practically really happens. Hospitality. You know, back then it was a very, uh, uh, I guess it was just close to life. Like if you're traveling, there's not hotels. You, someone's got to open their home to you. So this is a, uh, an attitude of meeting practical needs for each other. I think this church is kind of amazing. Like I don't have a whole lot of uh, knowledge of how other churches work, but I know for one thing, when we have a need that arises here, if someone's willing to say I have a need, then this place will get crazy about taking care of that need. It's cool. Uh, it just wow you every single time. But this is practical. Uh, and, and quite frankly, you know, coming off of covering sin and all these other things, like think about this. If, if the word tells us to love each other, we need to be spending a lot of time together. And there's, there's a lot. I have some other things that we can be practicing. But quite frankly, what better place to do that than having people in your home to get to know each other one at a time, maybe two, three, four people, just get to know and really go deep in understanding what that other person is going through in life and what ways you might be able to come alongside and help. This is where we're going to know each other and be known, to share our struggles, to weep with each other when we, when we need to weep and rejoice when we, we have things to rejoice over. This is where that's going to happen. We open our homes. We serve one another. Uh, this is where the one another's will happen. I've got a little list. There's so many one another's in Scripture. It's funny. You can chase that down all day. Um, but before we look at that list, let's just consider who are we talking about serving? Like it's easy to kind of say like love one another, serve the body. What are we talking about here? And, and there's a lot of ways you could tackle this. But... Um, I'm going to do it out of 1 John chapter 2, this idea of talking about maturity because it's helpful. Uh, you know, it says, I'm writing to you, little children, for you've been forgiven for his namesake. And then I'm writing to you, children or babies, young men and fathers. So in our church, you look around, uh, we have babies, young men and fathers. Everybody on this uh, spiritual maturity continuum. Now, we have people that are new to the faith, people that have been around the faith for a long time but just haven't grown. We've got young men who have the word of God uh, richly dwelling in them and they're strong and they've overcome the evil and we've got fathers. And so what I really want to do with thinking through just those types of people in our churches, I, I want to encourage us each to think about some of those types of people that we know here and, and ask the question like, who, who are you serving? Who are you serving here? Um, I think that young men, you need to find babies, for lack of a better way to put it, and, and pour into them. And, and young men, you need to find more mature saints, fathers, and, and you need to let them pour into you, but also encourage them. And, and young men, you need to pour into other young men, right? We need to serve. That just takes time. We have to know each other. We have to spend the time. And we need to prioritize this. That's what we talked about last week is prioritizing this. So I'm not going to rehash that. But uh, babies, you need to realize what, what you are and you need to run after young men and fathers. You need to chase after them and say, I want to be like you where, where you're like Christ. Help me. This is where my struggle is. This is what it is. And understand that that 
Chase is a service to the body of Christ. You have a need. They have something to help fill that need. We need each other in that way. Fathers, pour in to the young men and the babies. Uh, Chase after other fathers. We need to be serving one another. I like the way Pastor says it a lot of times. So many things I like that he says, but one he says is, you'll, you'll know where your affections are by looking at your calendar and your checkbook. You know, if you look back over your calendar, are there a lot of days where you've been chasing down people here and serving them, considering them above yourself? Uh, there's something I left out here. Um, I'm going to tackle this in two different places. Uh, one is practically you may not have want to have people to your house for different reasons. I don't know. Um, if you're a hoarder, you need to deal with that. But if that's... Uh, that's okay. So take them to the Cracker Barrel and just love on them. It's all right. You know, there may be other more practical reasons that are actual and not so silly. But, but uh, if there's some... That's, that's not the point. It doesn't have to be your house. It's an attitude of meeting the needs of others to, to coming alongside and saying, I want to be in your life. I want to know you and I want to serve you. I want to care for you. Um, listen to this quote from John MacArthur absolutely beautiful I don't know when I first read this but I'll never forget it and I was so glad that I stumbled upon it again recently it says this it should be noted that whereas maturity is relative depending on one's progression and growth spirituality is an absolute reality that is unrelated to growth is, is there any way we have this slide this is a hard one to if you can read along it would be helpful we don't have this no bummer okay let me try again I'll read slowly and try to say it clear it should be noted that whereas maturity is relative depending on one's progression and growth spirituality is an absolute reality that's unrelated to growth at any point in the life of a Christian from the moment of his salvation to his glorification he is either spiritual walking by the spirit or fleshly walking by the deeds of the flesh Okay, check this out. Maturity, this is great. Maturity is the cumulative effect of the times of spirituality. Walk by the Spirit. What is walk by the Spirit? Have the Word richly dwelling in you. What does it say in 1 John? I'm writing to you, young men, because the Word of God is in you and you're strong and you've overcome the evil one. This is saying the same thing as we've said a ton of times, but maturity is the cumulative effect of the times of spirituality. But, listen to this, any believer at any point in his growth toward Christ-likeness can be a spiritual believer, walking by the Spirit, who helps a sinful believer who has fallen to the flesh. It's beautiful. So understand this. We've spent a, a big portion of our time this morning talking about if you see your brother in sin. Don't think just because you're a newer Christian or that you're less mature than someone else who seems to be in sin that you don't have the ability to, to come right alongside them and be a great blessing to them, to help them up, to encourage them. Don't think that way. That's a great tactic, a trick of Satan to try to keep us from each other. It's beautiful. Uh, look here. 
uh, verse 10 in our passage today. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things we may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we've been given gifts, and you know what? Our pastor touched on this three weeks ago. It was beautiful. He used the term grace gifts. Uh, I like that so much, grace gifts, that they're these spiritual empowerments that we have, special abilities to serve in the body of Christ that we each have been given some combination of them and, and that it's, it's not something we should be like super proud of in that we did this or we have this great skill set. It's like this is a gift from God, a grace gift by the grace of God. But it's also grace for one another, that he's given us gifts that are for each other, for the purpose of edifying the body, for building up one another. So, like Pastor said that day, we need each other. We must use our gifts. If we're separate from each other, we're not using our gifts for each other, right? We've got to engage. We've got to use our gifts. By God's sovereign grace, we've been given gifts that are for the service and edification for one another. Look at Romans 12, 4 through 6. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function... So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each one of us is to exercise them accordingly. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestations of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I'm excited. I've been told uh, very recently that we're going to have a, a class, a Sunday school class, devoted to uh, the spiritual gifts, these grace gifts. And so I'm really excited about that. Uh, that's going to be very good. Also, Pastor in 2019 did like a five or I think six part sermon series on spiritual gifts. So I'm not going to spend the time today to dig into all of that. There's a lot there and I could never get to even a portion of it. And so what I want to do is, is use our time, the remainder of it here, to just be very, very practical in the way that we can think about our gifts and serving one another here, okay? Um, from time to time, people here at this church say things like, well, I want to serve here. I don't know where. Um, or I've heard people express frustration like, I don't know what my gifts are. I don't know how to serve here. Things like that. Um, it's, it's so good. First of all, there's a lot of ways to serve here, and we have an ability to plug you in uh, here on Sunday mornings. There's lots of things to do. There's always, in a church this size, there's always needs that go unmet with people and resources. Um, and if you go to our newsletter and you go down to the bottom, there's a link you can click on. It'll connect you with a series of questions to kind of see what your interest might be and where you'd like to serve. And then they'll, somebody will reach out and plug you into that. So that exists. And definitely don't hear me say, don't go there and don't sign up. That, that's not my heart. I think that you should. There's practical realities of meeting together. There's lots of things that need to get done. And boy, 
thank you to all the people who are already serving. It's just a blessing. It's great. But, but let, me, let me encourage us to think differently about this. The most important way that you can serve in this beautiful, wonderful, glorious body of Christ here, Calvary Bible Church, is with your all, with everything you have. Put yourself into completely devouring Scripture. Have it so richly dwelling in you that you just have the mind of Christ that you love him so much that you just are looking for his hand to move you and, and that you take the love that is the fruit of those moments, that effort, that endeavor, and you just apply it to every person and place that you can for this body. Not this building, not this time, but the people, the eternal beings that are here. Be filled with the Spirit. Devour the Word. Have it richly dwelling in you. Man, get involved in some of the many Bible studies that we have going throughout the week. It's just beautiful to see. Start some more. You know, get together. Devour it so that we'll be running together, that we have the Word richly dwelling in us. But, but, but more frank, even quite, if I can be more specific, uh, let me say this. Man, we have a few uh, fellowship groups, and, and really, they're beautiful. It's It's wonderful. And I think we've got a new one coming. And, and believe me when I say we can start as many as we need to. That's not the problem. But think of the opportunity. Right here, it's not a huge church. There's a, there's a few people missing today, and so you kind of feel that. But, but it's not a huge church. But even this day, you leave out of here, maybe you get two, three conversations if you're fast. It's hard to connect and be connected here. So l- let me say to you, I think our church breaks down really, really well in this. Find a fellowship group. Get to know 10 or 12 people really, really well. If you have capacity, man, go to two. Go to two groups. That's 20, 24 people. If you're even crazy, I know some of you are. I've seen you at multiple groups. Thank you for coming, by the way. Man, go to as many as you can. This is the place where we're going to, we're going to grow deep with each other. We're going to know each other and be known. And when we have great days, we'll rejoice. When we have cruddy days, we'll weep. We'll, we'll wipe each other's wounds off. Do like Pastor says, all right, I hear you. Now take your thumb out of your mouth and go get back in the fight. You know, sometimes that's helpful. Thank you, Pastor. Um, pray about how the Lord would lead you with your gifts to serve here in the lives of others. You know, Pastor said, he says it well um, a lot of times. He says, if you're not sure what your gifts are, you know what it is? Start serving in the body. What will happen is you'll find out. Consider this list of one another. I really hope we have this. This will be painful if we don't. Yeah, yeah, very good. Consider this. I mean, this is a lot. If you just start to prioritize this list with maybe 8 or 10 or 12 people, I think you gotta, you're going to have to figure out how to get more time. One, love one another. Two, live in harmony with one another. Three, welcome one another. Four, admonish one another. Five, care for one another. Six, serve one another. Seven, bear one another's burdens. Be patient with one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Sing praises with one another. Ah, Blake's not here. Uh, Regard one another as more important than oneself. 
Speak truth to one another. Encourage one another. Seek good for one another. Stir up one another to love and good deeds. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. Be humble toward one another. I mean, practice this list and add to it. There's a lot. There's a lot of practical realities of one anothering that we can spend a lot of time on. But is this a priority of your heart? Are you thinking about eight or 10 or 12 people or 50 or 100? I mean, there's a lot of people to love here. There was a, in, in the um, MacArthur Center podcast, if you haven't heard this, I've said it before, I'll say it again. On any podcast place, you can go to uh, type in MacArthur Center podcast. It's short for the MacArthur Center for Expository Preaching. But in the first season, I mean, it was so fun. It was so well done. It was such an encouraging thing talking about the expositor. But at the end of that season, I think it was in the eighth episode, uh, there was an article that was mentioned talking about a church with, I think it was 900 ministers. And it was written about uh, Grace Community Church. And it was saying that MacArthur would say, even back then in his 30s, I'm not the minister here. The, The body is the minister's. 900 ministers. Well, we're not a church of 900, but we could certainly be a church of 300 ministers. We should be doing the work. It's, it's our job to minister to each other's needs. As we do, we'll grow and we'll cause growth for others. God will be glorified. Think about this kind of caring for one another. This, this happens all the time here, by the way. And I hope that there's kind of a negative cloud when you start to talk about this stuff. People feel, you feel the weight of it and it feels heavy. But I, I, I'm aware of tons of really, really great places where uh, this kind of care happens. And, and quite frankly, it's such an exciting thing. Uh, one, there's lots of examples of this. But uh, earlier this year, we went to the Shepherds Conference. There was, I don't know, 12 of us or 13, something and we were all piled in this, it's kind of a big van, but still, we're big guys, and so we were piled in there, and um, at some point, it just was like, this is kind of crazy to me. I'm looking back, I'm in the rearview mirror, I'm looking back, and I'm seeing guys 15 years old and guys 70 years old sitting next to each other, and like, not just laughing and having a great time, that was happening, but also pouring into each other, caring for one another. Do you, do you realize this doesn't happen in the world? This is not normal. People go to bars and they do other crazy things hoping to find something like this, but at the end of it, there's no real joy. But here, we care for one another. We have older people and younger people caring for the different needs that we have in the different phases of life. This is a foretaste of heaven. This is precious. All these places, these are the places where the bridges will be built. We build bridges with one another here. We trade the truth on it. When you're going through the hard stuff, man, having somebody in your corner remembering and helping you remember what is true and what is right and what is real is so helpful. We need each other. Don't be a lone wolf. You know, Proverbs 18 says that it's the fool that separates himself. Don't be that. Man, Take advantage of what God's given us. Look, there's also some special circumstances. My time's out, but I have to say this. Um, if you're sick, if you're in a season in your life where you can't, you can't make it to a fellowship group, that's reasonable. That's fair. Don't feel the weight of that right now, the sting. If you have small children, if you're a young family or you have small children and, uh, and you're in a season that you just can't give as much right now, uh, 
that's okay. Uh, there's probably a lot of other limiting factors that I, I didn't take the time to think through, but I wish I had. Um, but you know it, what it is. And, and those are real. So don't hear me say or lay on you something that's heavy, a burden that you can't carry. But understand this. Well, the word says uh, it is more blessed to give than receive. If everybody doesn't need anything, there's nothing to give, then it's not blessed to do anything. Nobody needs anything, right? So if you're sitting there in a season of life where you can't give, that means that you're in a season of life where you need to receive. My, my granddad, he's about this tall. He looked like Colonel Sanders, and he was so funny. Uh, he would say, every day of my life, he, ta- he talked like this. Hey there, big man. That's how he talked. I don't know. And he called him big man. He willed it, I guess. But he said uh, a lot of times if he would argue with him about letting him pay for something or whatever, he's like, sounds like you need a sermon on the gift of receiving. Now, I'd never heard of that before, but he always won the argument when it came down to that. And it, I don't, he's not here to give you that sermon, but I might be able to fashion one if you need it. But the, the point is, don't suffer in silence. Don't be by yourself. You're part of the body. If the knee's laying over on the floor, it's no good to anyone. And if you think, oh, well, I can't serve, you're wrong. And you're challenging really what God's word says. I, I want to tell you, there's one man, he... he He's blessed me so many times this year. He's been languishing in a bed of affliction, and he's prayed for me over the phone, over the text, over, and I know when I'm not looking, he's praying. And I just want you to know that's been a blessing to me. And, and so don't think that you can't serve the body if you're stuck in your bed. You can serve the body. But also, you need to let people know how they can come alongside you. Maybe you can minister from there. You can just speak the, the grace of Christ in what's in your life and share that. But If nothing else, don't think that being in need is not serving the body of Christ. God's given us as gifts to each other and given us gifts to serve those needs. And quite frankly, I'm never more joyful than when I'm operating in the gifting that God's given me. Ever. I I love it. That's what we were made for. Works. So don't, don't rob the opportunity to be a blessing if you're in need. Boy, time goes fast. Uh, let, me just, let me just read these closing remarks here. We need to serve one another. Mark 10, 42 through 45 says this. You know that those who recognized as the rulers of Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it's not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave for all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And like Jesus, we need to take up the basin and the towel. You remember John 13, 12 through 17 says this. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table, he said, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. And if I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. And then finally, 1 John 3.16 We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Let me pray for us. God in heaven, 
You're so good to us. We are unworthy for sure. And yet you, God, you've drawn us to yourself. You, you've taken us, transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your son. You've called us joint heirs with Christ. You've adopted us. Oh, Lord. We love you. We're so thankful. And we just beg that you would be glorified in us. Help us to go and do what we've heard here today. Praise your name. We love you. Amen. We pray you've been edified by this presentation. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Jolton, Tennessee. For more information on Calvary Bible Church or for more audio, please visit our website at cbctn.org.